This episode of Hustle and Pro is brought to you by I9 Sports. I9 Sports provides a youth sports experience that teaches the importance of good sportsmanship on the field and in life. I9 Sports is the way youth sports should be. Find a youth sports program near you at i9sports.com. That is the letter I, the number nine, sports.com. This is Hustle and Pro with Kelly Walker. Join Kelly as she talks sports with players, coaches, organizers, and entrepreneurs from Wee League to Pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. You guys know I like getting athletes here on Hustle and Pro, players from all of our pro sports teams here in Frisco especially. But in a weird way, I actually like having guests on like today who are the organizers, the front office, and the people with all the real access to everything. So enter Al Whitley who has um, particularly cool access to the pro basketball scene here in Dallas. Welcome, Al. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited, too. We have Brandon May with us again because, you know, all things basketball, here, he's here to help me out. So we're going to jump into the, the real expert. Right. Yeah. The real, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, it's I very wanna, lucrative. I have a couple <laughs> quick hits just to, to jump off with, and then we'll get into some questions for you. Fantastic. This is a simple one. Who's your all-time favorite athlete? Wayne Gretzky. Grew up in Canada. Um, you know, if you're growing up in Canada, you're a hockey guy and uh, just mesmerized by him, his creativity uh, from an early age and just watched all those Stanley Cups with the Edmonton Oilers. So he, hands down, was my, my favorite. And a close second was Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah. So when we talk about the farthest distance you've traveled for sports, how far have you traveled to either play sports if, as an athlete, maybe sure. yourself as a kid, or now in your professional life? I think professionally it was China with the Mavericks. Uh, you know, recently last year, um, we've been to Europe. We've, you know, kind of been all over the world, which is an incredible, if you think about it, you get to travel the world, see different cultures, and, you know, you're technically working. So it's, uh, yeah, China would be, the, would be the farthest for sure. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about Mark Cuban, but what is your favorite Cuban moment or memory? I think, um, you know, when we won the championship, just uh, we had a, an embrace and a hug on the court and just the, the pure joy of, you know, accomplishing a goal that was set years and years ago, the amount of hard work, the things that have to go into it in order to reach the pinnacle um, behind the scenes, a lot's played out in public, so on and so forth. Uh, was just magical. It really was. And I know how much he puts into it, how much he cares. He's a, you know, he's not just a face, he's an owner that's invested, not just financially, but all around. So to finally see that happen um, was really, really special. And now that you've seen it happen, you also now know how hard it is to recreate, right? Yeah. You know, it, you in, in just to go back in time a little bit, in 2006, you're up to in the finals, and yeah, I, I have a hard time talking about it too. <laughs> and you know, you think, oh wow, this is, but there's it. nothing guaranteed, right? Yeah. And and things didn't work out. And then the next year, we start off 0 and 4, and we're like, wow. But then we go 67 and 11, we're the number one seed, and we're thinking, okay, we're back. You know, this I guess we can get back there every year, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work that way. There's just so much. There's so much luck that's involved making moves, team chemistry, whatever you have it. There's so many factors to, to get to that level um, that you really, really, really appreciate when you're able to. And in 2011, yeah. we were um, when you get there because it's, you know, it's, nothing's guaranteed in pro sports. Yeah, I'm going off script here, but do you think um, winning an NBA championship or hockey cha- NHL championship is tougher? 
I've always heard people say that they think hockey is the toughest series to win and repeat. Yeah, that's a really good question because I'm Canadian yeah. and, and, you know, um, the love of hockey for me just go, is endless, but I've worked in basketball and pro sport, you know, for 20 years. They're equal. The seasons are equal. I will say playoff hockey with the grueling, um, the way they play, the up and down and the physicality of it it honestly might be the hardest one. I'm going to say basketball is a very close second. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's kind of like in baseball. If you've got that ace, sure, then you can pitch in a couple of games. Yeah. But the same with hockey. It's like, okay, maybe you made it in as an eighth seed, but if you've got that goalie. And it's uh, exactly, I tell everybody all the time, you know, especially down here, be like, hey, you know, tell me about hockey or whatever. If you have a hot goalie going into the playoffs, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what seed you are. Um, you can ride them all the way to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, how unprecedented was Vegas? What, yeah, two years unbelievable. Ago? That was crazy. You know, the funny thing about Vegas is, so when they you know, first said they're getting an NHL team, and I'm from Pacific Northwest, I'm thinking, you know, I'd love to see Seattle get a team before Vegas, and, you know, it's coming, obviously. But um, we were at uh, Showcase, G League Showcase, and there was an off night where I actually went to a, to a Vegas hockey game. Just wanted to check it out, thinking that it was going to be just another source of entertainment in the city. Yeah. Tourists come down, check it out. Yeah, they'll have a decent crowd. It's one of the best crowds I've ever seen. Literally every second or third person had a jersey, wow. a Golden Knights jersey. Yeah. And it was a home-based, hometown team, like crowd base. Yeah. I was blown away. They, so they did, ate it up getting that. They franchise. ate it up, and yeah. they and you know what? And they did some really creative things entertainment-wise that I've never seen at a hockey game, <laughs> and it's working, and they, they they did an unbelievable season. Would you compare that in a way to how Nashville has embraced it? Too? For sure, it's like they've got. You don't consider those hockey, you know, parts of the world, and and for them to, you know, even L.A. when Gretzky got there, it wasn't a hockey city. Neither was Dallas. And neither yeah. was Dallas. And now you know, we you all know our yeah. winter classic Phenomenal. royalty that just happened. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I missed that, but I heard it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw it on TV, and it was amazing yeah, on TV. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so real quick, I know. Um, I want to kind of know just like growing up, were your sports, hockey, and basketball personally? What all did you do? Actually, my, my, my biggest sport was lacrosse. Oh, okay. It was like box lacrosse and field lacrosse back then. This is a lot of years ago. I played soccer. Uh, I definitely played hockey. And then we all kind of hit the eighth grade, and, my, and, our, and all of our group of friends decided to start basketball, start playing basketball. And I fell in love with it immediately. Um, probably had a chance to play college lacrosse. Um, and I picked basketball. I played college basketball in Canada, but, uh, you know, the ultimate dream growing up was the NHL or the NBA, and uh, I had to find another way to get there. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's talk about that, Brandon. Sure. I know you have some, some NBA-specific questions for Al. Well, just, uh, so I was born in 77. Mavericks were originated in 1980, so sure. almost literally lifelong fan. Uh, are you basically Keith Grant 2.0? Is that what we're doing here? He, Equipment manager, getting into the front office, sure, sure. expanding. Have you talked to him? How does you know, Keith has been an incredible mentor to me. Um, obviously, his story is incredible going. It's not a road that's you know, normally traveled, mm -hmm. uh, especially in modern-day NBA with the staff size so big and so many other things going on. I'm definitely in a unique situation where not many people get an opportunity like I'm getting. So... That would be, uh, that's the A scenario. You know, that's my goals. Um, I've always set high goals for myself. Uh, I've always dreamed of being, you know, in the front office in some capacity and getting the, the chance to do that and kind of 
grow my skills and development in the G League is is a perfect fit for me. And you know, we'll see where it takes me. Was to was that the ultimate goal was to absolutely just yeah. you know just to be a, you know just to be a part of the front office and and uh, be a resource and just you know help out where I need to be helped out. I've always kind of been a team guy. Whatever is needed to be done. Uh, even all my years as the head equipment guy for the Mavs, I was always trying to learn every aspect of the business so and prepare myself that one day if I got the opportunity, I was going to take advantage of it. And so here we are, you know, year two of that. And, uh, you know, I plan on continuing to do that. I heard, yeah. I heard you tell, I think it was Scan Wade or somebody, that you had put that out there and finally somebody read it. And I was going to say, every it. year in my bio, I always put, you know, uh, uh, future ambitions, you know, front office management or whatever. I said, maybe I guess our owner finally read my bio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after 17 years. Yeah, it was funny. And so officially, um, with the legends here, um, you're the VP of basketball operations. I am. Yep. It's an unofficial li- Mavs liaison title too. Exactly. That's yeah. what that's what like people refer to you as. For sure. Me. I think I think my Mavs title is special assistant to our owner. Um, okay. But basically, I am. You know, it's my job to kind of bridge the the gap between the Mavericks and the Legends, oversee our development of our two way players, our you know f- draft picks, our young players, and uh, you know, and then roster basketball operations with the, with the Legends. I run that with Malcolm Farmer, our president, and just kind of create up a, a system where we develop these guys and potentially, you know, hope if things go well into NBA players at one point. So what's your role in an example like um, recently when we have a two-way player For sure. that's playing on Legends one night, yep. first NBA appearance in the Mavs one yeah. night, two nights later back in Frisco or, or wherever their away games are. So what, what are you doing in all of that? Transition? So I'm in charge of kind of all of that. And, and basically, um, it's like a proud parent moment. You know, when these guys get called up and it's their first NBA game, um, it's it's pretty special for all of us, especially in the legends who are around these guys every day, know how hard they're working, that they're fulfilling a dream. So um, I'm constantly, it's my, it's my job to help these guys develop in the G League and prepare them so when their number is called, like Josh Reeves the other night and Antonio's Cleveland's going to be, you know, he was with the Mavs today and hopefully tomorrow night, um, that they are prepared and ready to do, make a seamless transition that when the Mavs, you know, the hardest part is when things are going well with the Mavericks, our offense is, you know, number one in the league, efficiency and all this great stuff. How do you fit these guys and keep them connected to the Mavericks? And that's the hardest part because, um, you know, it's you got to pick and choose the time to do it, but going back and forth helps develop them the most. So, you know, we have injuries right now with the Mavericks. Guys are getting over a few bumps and bruises here and there. It's that time of the mm-hmm. season. So it's our job with the legends to have these guys ready that when they're called upon, which they have been this week, um, that they can step in and, and if, when they're needed and, and contribute. So, How difficult is that balance? Because obviously you're trying to win games, but then if you've got your talented players then getting called up even from the Blazers, you've got people coming back and forth. Like For sure. You're talking on the Legends perspective? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. roster moves, you know, that's the, that's the hardest part, especially for Coach Galanopoulos is – you know, your roster can change, you know, in, you know, in a matter of hours in the G League. Right, right. It's a great experience for him. It's a great experience for me to deal with moving forward in my career as well. But you got to be, you got to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. The, the pro sports, you know, is being able to adjust on the fly. I really think that's the most, you know, that's one of the most crucial things in my whole career with the Mavericks is you got to have a plan A, B, and C because you never know what's going to happen at any time and you got to be ready for it. So and I, I always, you mentioned winning, you still want to win, but I still feel that 
in a development league, the winning prioritized is prioritized less and less when you have to prioritize the development for, for your sure. pro for team, sure. first team. I think in any development situation, you want a culture that's based on winning, but it's it promoted through development, right, and accountability. So, of course, developing not only our players but our staff um, in the G League level is priority number one. We want these guys, whether their NBA potential is, or their basketball potential, excuse me, is NBA. Maybe it's a great contract overseas. Whatever the case may be, we want to do everything we can to put them in a situation that they can achieve that. And our staff too, right? If there's areas where our staff are doing really well and they can, be, they can move on to the next level or we can help them out too, we take a huge, you know, huge pride in that as well. So, but at the end of the day, we're, you know, if you're at this level of pro sports, we can talk all we want about that winning is not the most important thing, and it's not, but it's pretty close up there. We're all <laughs> yeah. very competitive. Right. We want to, you know, we put so much work into these game plans and practicing and these rosters and stuff. At the end of the day, it is, it is nice to win, yeah. and winning promotes development. You know, it enhances it a little bit faster. Everything feels better when you It winning. does, right? Yeah. Everybody's smiling the next day as opposed to not smiling. You right, know, so. right. Well, that's one of the questions I asked Isaiah Roby was, okay, you could – be on the Mavericks, on the bench, but you're getting maybe two, three minutes of burn sure. at the end of a blowout game either way. Yep. Or you can be here and you can play 30, 35 minutes. For sure. What would you rather do? Because you obviously, your dream is to be in the NBA, but players want to play. Sure. So what, 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 he, what did he say? What do you think he said, Al? <laughs> well, I'm hoping he said um, that he wants to play. Yes. And so anytime you're in a development role and you're, you know, we drafted Isaiah, he, we signed him to the, to the team, we believe in him, but if you look at our roster, he's not gonna get the minutes like you were talking about. And, it, and the only way you can develop is to play. Mm -hmm. And if you're gonna be up with the Mavericks, you know, when you get to this part of the season, yeah, of course we're practicing every day, but it's not the, you know, they're not scrimmaging for 30 minutes or all this kind of hard contact stuff because we, you know, we have three games and four nights coming up. It's just not reasonable and it's, it's just not, it's not gonna happen. So. They've got to play to develop, and the G League, 20 minutes up the road, I mean, what better situation can you be in? So Yeah, yeah. yeah I asked the same question, what, last year to Ray Spalding. Yeah. And same answers, like, yeah, I really want to fly on that really nice plane. And that's the thing, right? It, the perks, right? It's, yeah. It is really nice. It's, it's the dream. It's the part, dream, yeah. right? But you got to work hard to achieve the dream. And they've worked hard to this point, but professional basketball is different than AAU. It's different than college. These guys you know, have to put the work in. And, and if they do, um, and the opportunity knocks and they're ready, then they'll be on that plane. They'll be on in that nice hotel and, you know, so on and so forth. Well, in turn, that makes you look good as, I mean, like, there's a reason the Blazers chose you guys to send their two guys yeah, over, right? They could have gone anywhere. For sure. I think we do a really good job of that. And, and that's, you know, a, a tribute to Malcolm. Um, he's been doing this since day one. The legends were here over 10 years. And, just the way that we, um, yeah, we want those guys to come in. We're helping to develop them too. Um, and I think we do a, do a really good job of that, um, giving them the minutes that they need and give them their coaches and their other teams reports on how they're doing. And we just keep in con constant contact. Do you like the way, because what I like the most about the G League, I've always wanted a minor league system for, for sure. the NBA. And they're getting there. I still think that there's movement or do you have anything that you like as much as I like the fact that we've got players from the Blazers over here sure. or just 
people from overseas that just want to get some run, better competition, all that For stuff. Sure. Would you be more inclined to say all of you belong to the Mavericks? Yeah, or is that I, I going mean, too far, you know, like a baseball well, minor league? Yeah, baseball, even hockey, right? I grew up with a hockey minor league system, and you do have the rights to all of them. You know, I don't know how – I know there's been conversations. I don't know how close they are to making that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, markets like New York, L.A., you know, Frisco is a pretty nice place to play in the G League. Do they have an advantage? And if, if it's a rights in, like, a free agency situation – are the smaller market teams in the middle of nowhere going to get players? I don't know. So I think there's a lot of things you have to look at. I like to have the rights because then you get to develop them. And, you know, we got a couple of players on our team right now that I think are NBA talents and NBA worthy. And, and I will be surprised if they don't get an NBA call up from some team. We don't own their rights. Right. Right. But I want to see them do well. They put the work in and that's the goal is to develop these guys to get to the highest level. So um, you know, it'd be sad to see them go, but they're, you know, it's also, they're attaining their dream and would never want to hold them back from that. It does feel like the more depth though, that the Mavs could have in the, in the G League, the better for the development overall with for, only two, right? Yeah, I mean, you, sure. you only get two rights to two. Or yeah. So it? we have two, two way players. So we, nobody can take, you know, if they're playing really well, another team can't come in and sign them. They're ours, you know, for either it's a year deal or a two year deal. The Isaiah Robies, who's on our roster, if he's assigned to us like he is right now, mm-hmm. nobody can take him. But the rest of our roster is open. If they're playing at, a, at an NBA level and it just takes one team to like you. Yep. And they could be gone. They Does could that be. apply to the Exhibit 10s as well? Yeah, Exhibit they're, 10s, yeah. fair game. Yep. Okay. So, you know, and that, we're in that season right now. You know, the, the 10-day contract in the NBA just uh, started a couple of days ago. So, you know, the phone could ring any minute that one of our guys has been called up and we will uh, we'll do a nice celebration presentation in front of the team and wish them well. And either they're going to be back or they're Keep not, going. or they're right. going to be. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. That's why I've, I've always wished that just because I'm old enough to remember when the NBA draft was more than two rounds. Sure. And they cut that back because they realized guys weren't making teams. Like, well, if you just had a minor league system and sure. put them down there, not only that, but we're coming up on the trade deadline. Now they're not just players or assets that you could put in as prospects, no For different sure. than hockey or baseball does. But I guess they're growing. I mean, not every team even has a G League affiliate yet. Right? So, so 28 of the 30 teams do. Right. Denver and Portland are the only two that don't. Okay. I suspect that, you know, in the next couple of years, all 30 teams will have them, but, you know, you just don't know. I honestly think the NBA could almost move to a third round with the two-way players Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, most of those guys are decided draft night after the draft. It's kind of a scramble to, you know, to find some good two-way players that you think have NBA potential that you can hopefully develop, so... When does the one-and-done rule end? Is that next it's, year? Yeah, I think it's a year or two away, but it's, it's you know, that changes the G League too. Right. And the talent level is going to go way up. It, it goes up every year right now. Just get more and more guys want to stay home, and, and this is the fastest way to get to the NBA. Uh, to be, you know, you, there are scouts all over the world. If you're good enough, we're going to find you. But, um, you know, just to, to stay home, close to your families, uh, and have a chance to make the NBA. Guys, more and more guys are staying. Then you add this. I mean, the G League is, you know, is legitimate. I was watching uh, the Toronto Raptors. Sure. Defending champions, their head coach. G League. G League. Two championships, two yep. different teams in yep. the G League. Uh, Van Vliet, G League. 
Chris uh, Boucher now on their roster. Will and even uh, Siakam. Siakam, G League. They've done a really good job I mean, up there in using their G League, developing these players, and you know, look at them now. You know, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic example. So does that speak then kind of to the cohesion between Mavericks, Legends, coaching sure. philosophy, development, all that kind Absolutely. of stuff? Absolutely. We want to kind of mirror it, right? You know, and that's why one of the things that was so appealing to Coach Galanopoulos is he's been in our video, Mavs video room for the last two years. Um, and so he knows the Maverick style of play, what we're trying to do, the culture, uh, the staff. And so it's just an easy transition for him. In teaching that, because we, you know, it's the same principles. There's no secrets here. Yeah. Um, if I, I feel like if you're doing a, have a successful G League team, it's usually mirroring the NBA team um, for the guys that are down in the G League. If they are called up, that it's a pretty seamless transition. Mm-hmm. It's not two different offenses and two different defenses, and look like you know you're a ghost out there, right? Yeah. So that's the goal, and and that's why George, you know, among many things, was so appealing this summer. With his background, is that kind of the similar trajectory to like Spolstra? Because he started off right in the video room. For sure. Heat, right? You know, there's a lot of guys that started in the video room and you just work your way up. I mean, when you know, the video room, you're buried in there. You're studying all the time. All the time. And you're 12, 14 hour days easily where you just, you don't even see the outside of the, you know, if it's sunny or raining outside. They're studying film, cutting film. So those guys know, know the system inside and out, and they're great guys and resources to, to tap into and to use. I have a non-G League question. I cannot let you leave without asking you. I'm ready. You're from Canada. You I mentioned am. that. Yep. What's the relationship with you and Steve Nash? Me and Mr. Nash. Uh, we grew up together. Mr. So we are, uh, we've been best of friends since we were probably 11 or 12 years old. Okay. And... Um, I actually did used to beat him a few times one-on-one. I know it's hard to believe. We all were kind of the same level, our group of friends um, growing up, and then kind of high school hit. We kind of, our development kind of slowed down a little bit, and his just kind of took off. And we were like, wait a second, where's he going? <laughs> and, we could, and he never came back. So this eighth grade <laughs> group of friends you talked about at the beginning yeah. that started basketball, was he one of those guys? Yeah, absolutely. And probably yeah. soccer group you mentioned too, yeah, right? Yeah, really good. He was a way better soccer player than basketball. That's what I've heard incredible. Didn't his like, brother play professional? Yeah, right? he could have played first division over and, and if, if that was his main sport and he chose. He was, I mean, you just see him goofing around with the ball and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. His, his hand-eye coordinate. that's why his footwork was so good on the NBA court because he was, he was a magician on the pitch. I think that's one of the reasons him and Dirk got along so well too. For sure. Yeah. Right away, the European football connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's really cool. I love me some Steve Nash. I'm sure you do too, Brandon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. That's pretty amazing yeah. that you guys grew up together. Yeah. And, you know, you... I just saw him in uh, New Year's Eve. We were uh, we played South Bay Lakers, and I had him come to our shoot-around. I saw that. Yeah. That's was, pretty neat. It they was came cool. And talked to, he ca- uh, came and talked to the legends. He did. Yeah. He, he just, you know, his story's inspiring. He, you know, you look at all his accolades and two MVPs and Hall of Famer and third assist, and you think, oh, this guy had a pretty easy career or whatever, but it wasn't that way at all. I mean, now Canada's heavily scouted, and we have an incredible group of basketball players, young, coming up through the system. But when he started playing, especially Western Canada, it was hockey and what what is basketball? So, you know, he had one college scholarship to the States, to a small school. Santa Clara. Santa Clara, Broncos, and then... You know, when he first got to Dallas and got that contract and there was all this pressure and tried to play through injury, he was getting booed off the court. Like, there was a lot of 
um, there's a lot of parts of his career that you didn't know which way it was going to go. And just, you know, knowing the person he is and the perseverance and the mental toughness, he just, it was destined for greatness. Now, do we think he's going to be a two-time MVP of the NBA? No, but he's just, um, he went to the gym every day with a purpose to get better. And that's easy to say, but to, for the guys that can really do it, the Steve Nashes, the Dirk Nowitzkis, mm -hmm. the Jason Kids. You know, it's truly amazing. So he, his story was inspiring, and I wanted him to come and talk to the guys and let them know some of these guys are on the brink of the NBA. And yeah. don't don't lose focus of that. You know, you got to keep working hard every day. You got to be the hardest worker in the gym. You got to be a great teammate. You know, bad body language. NBA teams aren't going to look at you. Right. If you just little things. Just a reminder from and somebody who's been through from it. From somebody or, who's yeah. been there and, you know, one of the greatest to play his position. Yeah. So That's what's amazing, too, is that before he got here, he was a third stringer yeah. with Phoenix behind yeah. Jason Kidd and Kevin, Kevin Johnson. Johnson. You are a basketball like, historian. I told you. Yeah, he's a fan. Like that, Big time. Like, okay, at that point, you got to realize, yeah, maybe I am third stringer behind For those sure. two dudes at that time. And then realize what, I mean, because Donnie was on the coaching staff at that Absolutely. time. Absolutely, and they got a chance to know him. And, yeah. you know, you look at that situation, you're like, oh, I'm playing behind these two guys every day, or I'm competing with these guys every yes. day and trying to get better. And that's what he did. And, yeah. and on the, the rest is history. So pretty, pretty nice ride. So as a result of your friendship with Nash, then obviously you developed a friendship with Dirk and... Sure. Yeah, uh, it really, you know, Emily, and obviously with, with... And Mark, you know, was the yeah. big one that... Uh, when when MC bought the team 20 years ago is when I first met him and we developed a friendship and mm -hmm. you know just unbelievably lucky we were at dinner one night and he just hey what are you up to and what do you want to do and I said I'd love to move down here one day and, and it was kind of like well, why don't you come work for me and I you know literally I was like I wish I had a tape recorder I'm like did you okay. really just say that yeah. like and it took a long time you know we had to get lawyers involved because I'm Canadian and it took nine months to get my um, working visa and then my first day with the Mavericks was September 10th, 2001, the day before 9-11. Mm, yeah. um, if I hadn't, I waited forever, it felt like, to get the working visa. If I hadn't have got it when I got it, I probably never. wouldn't be here. Would have, it would have been delayed in For infinity. sure, and it probably never would have happened. Wow. So mm. unbelievably grateful uh, for the opportunity that he gave me. And 20 years. 20 years later, already. I'm still, uh, still trying to figure it all out. You were on an episode of Punk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did that come about? Because I think it had Nash already left for Phoenix? He had. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You were but on an episode of Punk? I was. Tell me about that. Crazy. So Michael Finley knew a producer of the show. And he comes to me because uh, we're getting ready for a trip to L.A. and says, hey, do you want a Punk Dirk? And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I feel like I've Dirk's the biggest 12-year-old in the world. Of course we want to punk him. <laughs> but so many things involved in that. We, we were on a back-to-back. -back. Back in the day, it was a noon game in Dallas. And then we played the next night in L.A. And Dirk, A, doesn't go out. But B, wasn't going to even leave the hotel normally to even go for dinner if we played the next day. And if we lost the game in Dallas, there's no way. So we had to tell them to set up the thing, set up the production we hope we're going to get him there. See if it's going to work. We ended up winning in Dallas. He was, you know, humming and hawing. He's tired. He didn't want to go to dinner. We forced him into a car. The table's outside, but Dirk's notoriously always cold. And we're in California. We're in L.A., but it's still, 
still a little breezy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he starts complaining, and I'm thinking, there's no way <laughs> we're going to pull this off. Because he had to be sitting in a certain spot. Yeah, just, it, it wasn't happen. a restaurant we'd ever been to. It's all coming to, but, back to me. Yeah, but it was I'm outside. Like I so, this yeah, now. so there was a yeah. kid that kept on coming up to us and to Dirk and that was the gimmick. And then sign the this and sign that them. and like sign LeBron James's jersey. And, <gasps> Yeah. And, and, you know, and then Finn and I were just egging him on, like, you're really going to sign that? He's the nicest guy in the world. I'm literally, that's how he is. And then finally, with us egging him on, he's like, hey, can I just finish my dinner first? You know, like, and that's the most we could get out of him. Trying to be so nice about it. Yeah. You could tell he was getting irritated. Yeah. I remember watching it, like, when it aired. And, of course, I know who all of you are. What I thought was hilarious was they said Mike Finley. Yeah. And then they said, "Trainer Al." Al, Al the trainer. Al the yeah. trainer. Trust me, I you got a lot get of last for that. Name yeah, yeah, no, just Al the trainer. I'm like, oh, <laughs> who's this guy? It's weird. You're walking in. You're like, where are all the cameras? You don't know anything. You just, you're just, yeah. And like, are, are the cameras in the car on the way over there? Like, we didn't know anything. They, so. they would have fooled you too, for yeah. sure. So that was still at the time where the Mavericks were on the rise. Sure. But there were still the Lakers, the Blazers, the Kings, the Spurs, Man. the. the there Basketball so many, expert over here. There were so many good Mavericks teams incredible. back then yeah. that just there were just way too many yeah. better teams in the West. So yeah. what's the next step then? Donnie Nelson, our team president, has been incredible in in, in mentoring me as well and and bringing me into the fold with all of our scouts. It's been you know it's a dream come true to be honest. So I'm fully uh, immersed in this role. Uh, I love it. I, you know it, it helps me develop and grow and learn. Uh, in saying that, um, you know, people who know me, I have high expectations of what I want to do and eventually down the road. But, you know, to sit and talk about it now is, you know, that's neither here nor there. When those opportunities come, they'll pre present themselves. But right now I'm, I'm focused on developing our young guys and, and making the Texas Legends the best G League team from a basketball standpoint um, in the NBA. We already are a franchise of the year in the business side, mm -hmm. you know, with Malcolm and our staff have just done an incredible job. Yeah. I want to match that on the basketball side. And and we are the premier development for young players. And let's get some guys under, you know, undrafted guys to the Mavericks roster one day. That's the goal. So Yeah. Well, you're doing it. And well, I appreciate that. You've got that, like I said at the beginning, you've got one of those dream jobs where you have yeah. the access and just a perspective with these players. Sure. You're not the player, right? No, but no. you're their next best thing. You're yeah. you're with them and you're you're working with them and shaping them and getting them to the next level and it's pretty neat. You've got a it's pretty cool great. situation. Very, there. very lucky. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for taking time out of, of your busy I know you're in season, full uh -huh. swing obviously. So thanks for coming over and jumping in the studio with I us. I appreciate you guys having yeah, me. This was nice fun. To yeah. meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you.